All right, let's go ahead and open up 2 Chronicles chapter 34 tonight. I think we got two more chapters left, and we're going to be, yep, just about done with 2 Chronicles. How many of y'all have ever watched a show on PBS called The Antique Roadshow? Every once in a while, when I see it on, I would stop and watch it. I haven't watched it. It's been quite a few years since I've watched it. But you see people come in with things that they think is junk, maybe, or maybe think is worth a lot. And sometimes they come in and they're excited because it ends up being worth a lot of money. Or sometimes they get disappointed because it is exactly what everyone thought it was. It was junk. There's a lady from Virginia who had found an old painting in a box of trinkets for $6.90 at a flea market. And uh, she repurposed a frame of it and everything, and she kind of put it up in her closet for storage. Didn't think about it too much. Well, one day her mom came over and they're decluttering their house. Her mom comes across the painting, and she tells her to go get it appraised to see if it's worth anything. It looks like it was a pretty good painting, what have you. Well, she ended up going, and it was a 1879 original uh, painting from a French Impressionist, and the value of that painting ended up being between $75,000 to $100,000 for that painting. And she found it in a little junk box at a flea market. So you never know what treasures you may find at a flea market. But uh, today, we're going to talk about a treasure that is priceless, and that was found by Josiah. Uh, we know previously to Josiah's reign, his, his father Amon and then his grandfather Manasseh were evil and wicked men. Uh, they served everything else but God, and the, uh, I mean, Manasseh had a 55-year 50, reign, 54, 55-year reign, and it was just, it was horrible. It was, it was filled with idolatry, immorality. It uh, broke the temple down. He would worship and set up these uh, idols in the temple, in the courtyards, and he would worship everything under the sun, it seems like, but God. And we finally see at the end of Manasseh's life that he cried out to God when he was in dire straits, and God answered that prayer and, and restored him back to his kingdom where he would end up trying to rebuild and get people to start following God again, but then he would pass away and his son Amon would come on the scene, and he did just as much, if not more, evil in the sight of God, and he reigned for just two years. God cut that reign short. And now we're going to see Josiah come on the scene, becomes king, which we'll read in a minute, at eight years old. Not too many good role models to look at, it seems like, in his past. His father, Amon, was assassinated. We see his father, Manasseh, who for over 55 years, like we just talked about, that was into idolatry and turned Judah definitely away from God, but it wasn't all their fault because Judah seemed to be persuaded with whichever the way the wind would blow. And we're going to kind of notice that here tonight as well. So him coming to the throne at eight years old, he definitely had regents to guide him and lead him as a, as, a, as a new king. He was not ruling at eight years old. So he definitely had someone who was taking that spot so he got to a, a right age. And we're going to notice that he did a lot of things in his youth that was good and honored God. 
And Josiah was probably one of the better kings to ever serve as king over Judah. And we're going to see here in our, in our scripture today is that he found, a big, big surprise that he found was that he found a copy of the word of God, which drove him to bring Judah back to God, back to his worship, back to the ways that God wanted him to practice worship as a nation. But we're also going to see that all of that uh, would come, but still the judgment was going to come on the nation. So let's go ahead and start in verse 1, chapter 34. And it says, Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. So he didn't reign as, as, as long as his grandfather did, but he had 31 years. For in, his, uh, for in the eighth year of his reign, while he was still young, I'm sorry, and he did what was right in the sight of the Lord and walked in the ways of his father David, he did not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. So he stayed on that straight and narrow path throughout his reign, doing what was pleasing to God. Even the hard stuff we need to do that's pleasing to God, when it would just be easier to go to the left or the right. But he kept it on a straight and narrow path. It says, for in the eighth, eight, I'm sorry, in the eighth year of his reign, while he was still young, he began to seek the God of his father. So he's about 16 at this time, of his father David. And in the twelfth year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of the high places, the wooden images and carved images and the molded images. They broke down the altars of the Baals in his presence and his incense and the incense altars, which were above them, he cut down. And the wooden images, the carved images and the molded images, he broke in pieces and made dust of them and scattered it on the graves of those who sacrificed to them. So these false priests and, and such, he put those ashes of these, of these idols and scattered it over their graves. He also burned the bones of the priests on their altars and cleansed Judah and Jerusalem. So when he was about 20 years old, he started cleansing the land of the idolatry that was there. A lot of the idolatry had to do with sexual uh, practices. And he would go in and clear these idols out and purify the land at such a young age. And it kind of intrigues me here because 300 years earlier, when you had the reign of Jeroboam, an unnamed prophet spoke about Josiah by name. 1 Kings 13.2, it says, by the word of the Lord, he cried out against the altar. Altar, altar, this is what the Lord says. A son named Josiah will be born to the house of David. On you, he will sacrifice the priests of the high places who make offerings here. And human bones will be burned on you. And we just read that in verse 5. It says, he also burned the bones of the priests on their altars and cleansed Judah in Jerusalem. 300 years ago, this, prophet was, this prophecy was made by an unknown prophet. We don't know who did it. 300 years later, the prophecy comes through. The promises of God come to pass. We may think it takes a long time sometimes whenever God, you know, may whisper a promise to you in your ear or sets a promise in your heart or, or 
says, hey, you're going to do this for me one day, and we wait, and we wait, and we wait, and, and it seems like it never comes to pass. Be patient. He's waiting for the right time to answer those promises that he made. And if God made a promise and is a true promise, he will hold his end of the bargain. The Bible says that about Abraham in Hebrews 6.15. It says, and so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. Remember, God had given him the promise, but it took a number of years before that, that child came to him to make him the father of many nations. It took a while, but he did it. God knows the exact timing to fulfill the promises in our lives. He knows when the right time is. And sometimes that space between promises and the performance of the promise, God has his reasons. And among those reasons, it will cause us to draw closer to him. So while we wait for the promises of God to come, come through, they waited 300 years for this prophecy, this promise to come through. We as believers just need to be getting closer with the Lord, searching him every day, reading our word, prayer, seeking his will for our lives while we patiently wait for the promise that he's given us to come forth. We've seen how long it took Abraham. We see how long it took Josiah to step on the scene. God's timing is perfect timing. Never late, never early. Always on time. Goes on to verse 6. It says, And so he did in the cities of Manasseh, Ephraim, Simeon, as far as Nephetali, and all around with Axis. So he went even into some of the northern kingdom cities, who was at this point pretty desolate, I'm sure, because the Assyrians had took the northern kingdom away. So he even went into these cities to start cutting down and grinding down these idols and turning them into dust and cleansing the land, the promised land that God had given him. Verse 7, it says, When he had broken down the altars and the wooden images, uh, had beaten the carved images into powder, and cut down all the incense altars throughout all the land of Israel, he returned to Jerusalem. In the 18th year of his reign, when he had purged the land and the temple, he sent uh, Shaphan, the son of Azaliah, Maasiah, the governor of the city, and Joah, the son of Joaz, the recorder, to repair the house of the Lord his God. So remember, the house of God, the temple at this point is completely torn down and destroyed. Pretty sure the structure was still there, but it had really been messed up by Manasseh and Ammon. I'm pretty sure there was idol, uh, idol images in there, probably carved into the walls and, and everything else. So now he, he has cleansed the land of the idols. He's, he's bringing the nation back to God. Now he's going to go and rebuild the temple. And he does this at a very, very young age. In 1 Timothy 4.12, it says, Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. And I'm sure Josiah is being that right now. He's being that example to, to those in Judah, not only in word, but in his conduct, in love, and in spirit, and in purity. You know, Josiah was 16 when he seriously thought, thought to seek the Lord. 16 years old. That's when he really started to have that relationship and cultivated with the Lord. 
16 years old. He brought reformation to the nation when he was 20, when he went out and started purging the land of all the idolatry and sin that was going on. And at 26, he's starting to restore the temple. Now, that's some young ages to be doing these great things for God. And God can use us at any age. Two to two to 102, he can use us. So never despise your age because God can use us at any time. Even at 12, 14 years old, you can be used. So, verse 9, it goes on. It says, when, the, when they came to Hilkiah, the high priest, they delivered the money that was brought into the house of God, which the Levites who kept the doors had gathered from the hand of Manasseh and Ephraim, from all the remnant of Israel, from all Judah and Benjamin, in which they had brought back to Jerusalem. So the Levites... They went out and gathered all the money and what they needed to rebuild this temple and gave it over to the priests who would in turn give it over to the builders to end up purchasing the items they needed to rebuild the temple again. In verse 10 through 13, it says, Then they put in the, in the hand of the foreman who had oversight of the house of the Lord, and they gave it to the workmen who worked in the house of the Lord to repair and restore the house. They gave it to the craftsmen and builders to buy hewn stone and timber for beams and to the floor of the houses which the kings of Judah had destroyed. And the men did the work faithfully. Their overseers were Jehath and Obadiah, the Levites of the sons of Morari, and Zechariah and Meshulam of the sons of the Kohathites to supervise. Others of the Levites, of whom were skillful with instruments of music, were over the burden bearers and were overseers of all who did work in any kind of service. And some of the Levites were scribes, officers, and gatekeepers. So we see here that the, the workmen put their hands to the plow, they rolled up their sleeves, and they got busy on rebuilding the house of God. Exodus 36 1 says that. Bezalel and Oalad, and every gifted artisan in whom the Lord uh, has put wisdom and understanding to know to do all manner of work for the service of the sanctuary shall do according to all the Lord has commanded. I'm going to tell you this. God gives us wisdom and understanding to do the works we do. He, he doesn't just anoint some to preach and some to, to worship and, and some to heal or what have you, but he will anoint you at the job that you are at to do the work you do, to do it in an excellent way, to ensure that your witness is well before those you are working with. He will give you understanding to do things you thought you could never do. If it's going to fit his will and it's going to, and it's going to glorify him, he's going to give you the anointing you need, just like he did for those who were going to fix the tabernacle back with, with Moses. Just like he's going to do for those who were building the uh, temple back up. He would give them the know-how and the wisdom on how to put the temple back into place. So God can definitely anoint the works that I do and the works that you do. He, he loves to do that. In verse 14, he goes on and says, Now when they brought out the money that was brought into the house of the Lord, Hilkiah the priest found the book of the law of the Lord given by Moses. Then Hilkiah 
answered and said to uh, Shaphan, the scribe, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan. Now, this is a joyous time when we're finding the word of the Lord in all of this rubble that they are going through to rebuild this temple, and they find this. And I'm thinking to myself, Manasseh and Amon probably destroyed whatever books of the law that were there, if any at all, at that time, whenever they were tearing down the temple and going into idol worship. I'm pretty sure they got rid of those books of the law, but in the middle of the rubble, there sits the book of the law. That has to be God working right there. Because God wanted to restore his word back to his people. And here is an opportunity for that word to be restored. And you know what? Throughout history, everlasting revival started with the word being rediscovered again. People rediscovering God in the word and their lives being changed through it. If we get into the Word of God, we too can break out in our own personal revivals. Because I don't know about you, if I go days without being in the Word, I'm not the same person as if I'm in the Word every day. I'm just not the same person. But when I'm in the Word, I, I can feel the leading of the Holy Spirit. I can feel God leading me throughout the day. Where I may not make that dumb decision because... The Spirit is speaking to me because I've been in the Word. I've been in fellowship with Him. You don't have to turn there, but I'm going to turn to Deuteronomy 17, verses 18 through 20. And it says, Also it shall be when He sits on the throne of His kingdom, we're talking about the King of Israel or Judah, that He shall write for Himself a copy of the law in a book from the one before the priest, the Levite. So he should have, the king should have his own copy. And each one of us should have our own copy of the word of God. And it shall be with him, and he shall read it all the days of his life, that he may learn to fear the Lord his God and be careful to observe all the words of his law and their statutes. And he shall read it all the days of his life, yeah, this is speaking to, to the nation of Israel right here, but this is speaking directly to our hearts too. Every day of our life we should be reading and getting into his word, whether it's just a verse that we can pick up for the day or we sit down for deeper reading in his word to learn what he wants for our lives, what he wants us to do. It says here that we will learn his laws and his statutes. And what did he ask Judah, uh, the kings in Judah to do? Follow my laws and follow my statutes. Follow my commands. He would ask him to do that, and he said, if you do that, I will bless you, and your land will prosper, and your ways will, will go well. If you follow my law, follow my statutes, follow my commands. Be obedient to what I am telling you to do. And you know what? Judah and Israel didn't do that. And we see what the outcome of that was. And we know if we don't get into our word like we should, we know what the outcome in our own lives are. It's not always pretty. We need to get into our word. In verse 20, it goes on, it says, the end of verse 19, that the words of the law and their statutes, and that his heart may not be lifted above his brethren, is going to keep his level headed. 
going to keep us knowing exactly what our position in Christ is. That we're no better than anyone else. We're sinners who are in need of a Savior. And that he may not turn aside from the commandment to the right hand or to the left, and that he may prolong his days in the kingdom, he and his children in the midst of Israel. So getting into our, our word, the word of God, is very important to the believer's life. This is a lifeline right here. This is a love letter written to us from God, telling us what he has done for us, telling us how we should live our lives, the Bible, the B-I-B-L-E, basics instruction before leaving earth. This is our instruction manual for our life, and we should get into it. So they found the word of God, and Josiah is, as you we're going to see in a minute, is getting very excited, and he should be. And I'm going to say this little quote. I meant to say it earlier, but I've heard this quote before, that if a, a Bible that is falling apart is usually belongs to someone who isn't because they spend that time with God. And we're going to see Josiah get very excited about this word of God. And I think about people that I've had in my life, believers who have been in my life that I know read their Bible day in and day out, and they studied the scriptures, and, and they were steadfast in their faith. Even when hard times would come, nothing shook them because this word was so embedded inside their hearts that God and the Holy Spirit was holding them steadfast even in hard times. And that's what the Word of God will do to us. That's what kind of change it could bring to us. To where we may face disease, sickness, death, but we can face it with a steadfastness that God has us. God knows what he's doing. And if death happens to come through that and that's how he's going to take me home, so be it. That was God's will to take me back to be with him. And we can stand there with that faith because we know what his word says, without a doubt. And we're going to see Josiah wanting to read his, read his word, and he wants to read it to the nation to try and get them straight. So let's move on to verse 16. It says, so Shaphan carried the book to the king, bringing the king word, saying, all that was committed to your servant they are doing. And they have gathered the money that was found in the house of the Lord and have delivered it into the hand of the overseers and the workmen. Then Shaphan, the scribe, told the king, saying, Hilkiah the priest has, has given me a book. And Shaphan read it before the king. Thus it happened when the king heard the words of the law that he tore his clothes. He was so overran with sadness and grief after he heard the law because of how far Judah has fallen into idolatry and sin, that he tore his clothes. He was in deep remorse over what had been going wrong. He sees that Judah has definitely gone off that straight and narrow path and has turned to the left and to the right. And so the law is a great mirror, or this word is a great mirror for each one of us to see the sins, to see how much we are in need of a Savior, to see how much we have fallen and we have not arrived. 
and that we can't do it on our own. That's what the Word of God shows us. And that we need to put our faith and our trust in the Father. Verse 20, it goes on and says, Then the king commanded Hilkiah, Ahiakim, the son of Shaphan, Abaddon, the son of Makkah, Shaphan the scribe, and Isaiah, a servant of the king, saying, Go inquire of the Lord for me, and for those who are left in Israel and Judah, concerning the words of this book that is found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is poured out on us, because our fathers have not kept the word of the Lord to do according to all that is written in this book. So Josiah sent out a committee to find someone to be able to explain not only the inflammation that was in that book, but to be able to explain the application that was in that book. What should we do now? Sure, we have this book, and it gives us a great amount of information. How do we apply it to ourselves? How do we apply it as a nation? So they're going out to search for someone who could explain this. Josiah said, us as a nation, we have missed the mark. Us as Americans, we have missed the mark and have gone astray and have gone off track. And, we, and how do we get back on track? By doing what the Word of God says. You see, it is not just going through the Word that is important, but letting the Word go through us. It is not marking our Bible, but letting the Bible mark us. The question isn't about theology. The question is, how does the Word affect you personally? Because there's plenty of people who are not saved can read through this Bible and get absolutely nothing from it. But if you open yourself up to the Holy Spirit and you let the Holy Spirit work on you as you read this word, he's going to give you a word. He's going to give you direction. He's going to give you wisdom. He's going to give you understanding. I know there's plenty of times I've read through the Bible and I've read maybe the same scripture over and over and over and never got anything from it. But for some reason... On that particular day, I've read through the same scripture, the Holy Spirit opened my eyes to things that I never even thought about before when it came to that scripture because I was in need of guidance or wisdom or something from the word to be able to accomplish something. And the Holy Spirit was there to do that. In verse 22, it says, So Hilkiah and those the king had appointed went to Huldah, the prophetess, the wife of Shalom, the son of Tokahath, the son of Hoshara, keeper of the wardrobe. She dwelt in Jerusalem in the second quarter, and they spoke to her to that effect. Now, they went to this prophetess, this woman, to get understanding from the word of God. And I find that not necessarily odd, but Jeremiah had just kind of started as a prophet during the time of Josiah, and he was around. They could have surely went to him to find out what the word of God was saying. But God directed them to this prophetess. In verse 23 it says, yeah, verse 23 it says, Then she answered them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Tell the man who sent you to me. And it says, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will bring calamity on this place and on his inhabitants. All the curses that were written in the book which you have read before the king of Judah because they have forsaken me and burned incense to other gods, that they might provoke me to anger with all the works of their hands, 
Therefore, my wrath will be poured out on this place and not be quenched. So we see here, Josiah is trying to bring these reformation, these reforms into Judah to be able to change them and get them back to God. You, you would think he's doing the right thing. And Josiah was. But the rest of the nation was not on board with him. Maybe on the surface they were. But the years and years of idolatry and, and worship of these idols had, had very much crippled them in their work. God was going to... And this time, even though Josiah, their leader, was doing the right things, judgment would not escape them. Maybe two reasons why. It says when we ask for forgiveness, we are forgiven, but sometimes we still have to deal with the consequences of sin. Galatians 6, 7 says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked, for whatever a man sows, that he will reap. So though we are forgiven of our sins, and thank God for that, some sins carry repercussions, though, that go on and continue in our, in our lives. So the seeds are sown and the crops come up in this country, in Judah. And it's, it's time for it to be harvested. It's time for God to come down and bring judgment upon them. Even though repentance was taking place, the repercussions of their sins were still there. And they would have to be judged for it. The repentance was not as deep, maybe, as it ought to have been. I think there was surface repentance, maybe like, oh, we got caught, let me not do that again. But I don't think there was a deep-hearted repentance by the nation themselves. They kind of went wherever the wind blew, that's where they went. Oh, Josiah wants to serve the Lord? Okay, we'll serve the Lord too, that sounds good. Manasseh wants to serve the... uh, you know, Asherah and all these other gods. Okay, yeah, yeah, we'll serve that. That sounds good. Kind of sounds like our nation today, the people just going with whichever way the government wants to bring them. Whichever way. You could be bringing them right to the pits of hell, which sometimes I think that's what's happening. Sure, we'll follow you right into the pit of hell. And just kind of doing whatever the government is telling us to do. And that's kind of what the nation of Judah was doing. Whatever king came up, however they wanted to do it, sure, we'll do it too. This is the blind following the blind. In verse 26, it says, But as for the king of Judah who sent you to inquire of the Lord in this manner, you shall speak to him. Thus says the Lord God of Israel concerning the word which you have heard. Because your heart was tender and you humbled yourself before God when you heard his words again against this place, and against its inhabitants, and you humbled yourself before me, and you tore your clothes and wept before me, I also have heard you, says the Lord. That's awesome whenever the Lord has heard your cry and heard your prayer. Surely I will gather you to your fathers, and you shall be gathered to your grave in peace, and your eyes shall not see all the calamity which I will bring on this place and its inhabitants, so that... So they brought back word to the king. Now you do remember when Hezekiah had those extra 15 years of his life and God had brought the prophet around telling him that, hey, why did you, it was Isaiah, why did you show these people from Babylon all of the stuff in Israel? They're going to come 
and take your people away. And Hezekiah's response was, well, at least I'm going to be okay. We see a to- we're going to see a totally different response with Josiah. He, was not, he didn't like it. He didn't like the fact that they were going to go into captivity. In verse 29, it says, Then the king sent and gathered all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. So he's gathering all his men. He, he doesn't like the sound of, of the nation going into captivity. He doesn't want to see the monstrosities that were going to happen to the people. So he's gathering all his men up. In verse 30, it says, The king went up to the house of the Lord with all the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the priests and the Levites and all the people, great and small. And he read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant which he had found in the house of the Lord. Josiah gathered the people to him to read them the scripture in hopes that it would turn their hearts into true repentance and true faith in Jehovah God. He took action to try and change the people unlike Hezekiah. Hezekiah didn't make any change. He was just happy he was going to get out of jail free. But Josiah is taking that step and gathering the people to let them know about the word of God. In verse 31 it says, Then the king stood in the place and made a covenant before the Lord, to follow the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all his heart and all his soul to perform the words of the covenant that were written in this book. And he made all who were present in Jerusalem and Benjamin take a stand. So the inhabitants of Jerusalem did according to the covenant of God, the God of their fathers, Thus Josiah moved all the uh, abominations from the country that belonged to the children of Israel and made all who were present in Israel diligently serve the Lord their God all, the, all his days. They did not depart from following the Lord God of their fathers. So he made it a law to follow God. Now we know that each individual has to truly want to follow God. And they cannot be forced to do that. And once again, I believe it was surface worship and surface commitment to God. It was not wholehearted commitment because we're going to see as we finish up Second Chronicles that they do go into captivity and that the judgment of God is brought down on them. And I do commend Josiah for wanting to read the word of God to the nation. I think we should read the word of God as a family and we should read the word of God to those who want to listen but it's going to be on the individuals who want to truly repent and follow God. And I think if you allow the Holy Spirit to to infiltrate you and you allow this word to infiltrate you, it will change your life. Amen? Father, we thank you for this word that you've given us, this, this priceless treasure, Lord, that you have given us, Lord, to direct us and to, and to guide us and to give us wisdom and understanding and, and, to, and to just whisper your, your, your words of love to us, Father God. We thank you that we have this today and that we can know you more and more as the days go by. And please forgive us when we're, we're not in our word like we should be and that we're not discovering and rediscovering you daily, Father. 
I just ask, Lord, that you would bless those who are here with us tonight. I ask for your traveling mercies as we, as we leave your house here, and that you would bless those who were not able to make it, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.